This is Speaking of Writers on Capital Region Sunday. I'm Steve Richards. Amos Decker, the FBI special agent with a perfect memory, returns to solve a gruesome murder in a booming North Dakota oil town in Walk the Wire, the newest thriller in David Baldacci's number one New York Times bestselling Memory Man series. David Baldacci is a global number one bestselling author and one of the world's favorite storytellers. His books are published in over one, 45 languages in more than 80 countries with over 150 million worldwide sales. His works have been adapted for both feature film and television. Baldacci is also the co-founder, along with his wife, of the Wish You Well Foundation, a non-for-profit organization dedicated to supporting literacy efforts across America. Still a resident of his native Virginia, he invites you to visit him at davidbaldacci.com and his foundation at wishyouwellfoundation.org. Happy to have David Baldacci join me here on Speaking of Writers. Welcome. Thank you very much. Amos Decker, David, is one of your most popular characters. Why do you think he resonates with readers so well? You know, he has a lot of emotional baggage. He's like this big wounded bear. He was a football player who had a traumatic brain injury on the field, almost died, came out of it with a perfect recall and synesthesia, which means it's a commingling of a sensory pathway. So um, his family was murdered, uh, and he blames himself for that. Um, it's a memory that will never dim for him because of his perfect recall. So he has that albatross of the perfect memory. He can't forget bad things, but some of us can, or at least time heals all wounds. But he is a he is a lunch pail, blue collar, working class kind of guy whose only job is to find out the truth and, and punish people who have done bad things. And even though he could be annoying and sort of a curmudgeon, he walks out of the room while you're still talking to him. He works tirelessly at that, and you sort of have to appreciate that about the guy. I think he is the sort of man that you'd want to sit down and have a beer with and a bucket of chicken wings, and he'd enjoy it until he got up and walked out while you are still talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> in, in this book, Walk the Wire, Amos goes through a stretch of character growth. He's moving toward more personal relationships, opening up a little more. How do you navigate his evolution with each book? You really have to think about it as peeling back layers of the onion a little by little. So in each book, I try to show more of his personal side, also more of the fallibility of his perfect recall. Sometimes there are snafus and hiccups, so he can't rely on it completely. His anxiety about what if his brain changes again and he becomes a totally different person or he loses his gift of perfect memory, then what is he going to do? So there's a lot of anxiety involved, and I try to bring out a little bit more of that with each Amos Decker book. In this novel, he runs into a family member unexpectedly, a guy who works in the fracking fields in North Dakota, his brother-in-law. And so we learn more about Decker through his eyes before Decker became Decker. And then Decker also realizes, because of his his brother-in-law being there and some of the issues his brother-in-law is facing, that Decker is not, he's almost estranged from his family, even though, you know, they've, they've always gotten along. He just hasn't taken the time to be a good brother and a good family member. And that's something that he hasn't confronted before. In this book, he really has to deal with that. Chatting with number one New York Times bestselling author David Baldacci here on Speaking of Writers. His new book is Walk the Wire. Fracking for the oil and gas industry plays a big role in this novel, David. What resources did you lean on to create such authentic details? And what was the most interesting thing you learned while doing the research? I read an article um, in a magazine a couple of years ago about this religious organization called the Hutterites that have a colony in 
south or northeastern North Dakota, had bought some land from this secret government Air Force facility called an eye in the sky that looks out for nuclear missiles coming our way. It was deployed during the Cold War. And I thought, wow, there's a religious organization is right next to this super secret Air Force facility and they bought this land. So that's intriguing. And I put it away in my back pocket for a year or so, then I pulled it back out because I've been reading about fracking industry for a couple of years. I'd seen some of the fracking fields in Texas, read about some of the environmental issues and challenges and damages that fracking does, and about these boom and bust cycles of, you know, you can make a lot of money. So North Dakota is sitting on top of billions of gallons of oil and trillions of cubic feet of natural gas, kind of like the Middle East in the middle of America. And it is a boom town, boom state right now. It has the lowest unemployment rate in the country, and people are flocking there by the tens of thousands to get into, you know, jobs in the fracking industry. So it comes, sort of becomes like the California gold rush. Uh, so I read a lot. I talked to people who work in the industry um, to see what it was like um, because I needed to be able to immerse myself in those facts that I could take a mountain of research and distill it down into a couple of lines of dialogue, a paragraph here, an expository narrative there, so that the reader could get just enough information about the fracking so that they could follow along the plot intelligently and no more than that, because otherwise it just would stop the flow of the story. So I tried to do some on-the-ground stuff, some uh, reading, research, interviewing, and uh, it was fascinating. You know, and, and I was just telling an interview before you that in most, most oil producers, whether you're Exxon or Saudi Arabia or an oil fracker, you need the price of oil to be at about 50 to $60 a barrel for you to be profitable. Um, and oil right now, I just saw on my computer, it's at $5 a barrel. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, boom, boom might become bust, but that's just the nature of the beast. Walk the Wire includes cameos from some of your other series characters. So what inspired your decision to have some crossover? You know, it's from all the uh, requests we get on social media, every time I go out for book events, people always come up. When is, you know, the camera club coming back? When can we see World Rogue again? How about King and Maxwell? So this was a way for me to write about Amos Decker, a character I wanted to write about, but build a plot that was plausible enough so that these other characters could come into it and people wouldn't, wouldn't go, what the hell are they doing there? You know, it's a very plausible reason for them to be involved in this. It was a lot of fun, actually, to bring these characters back. I hadn't seen them in a couple of years, so I think they work with Decker really well, and it just really clicked. And I think um, I've had, already had fans online go, I just got to page 127. I'm not going to tell anything, but by God, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> As a best-selling novelist with so many amazing novels under your belt, what keeps you inspired, David, to continue writing? It's, you know, I started writing as a kid, and I wrote for years and years and years with nothing to show for it. I didn't sell anything. But I just had this insatiable obsession with writing and telling stories. And I think a lot of writers sort of have the same compulsion um, through good times and bad times. And for me, it's not a job or a hobby. It's kind of a lifestyle. It's who I am. I get up in the morning and I talk about this concept of the writer's prison where I'm just walking out and stories come to me because I watch people, listen to people, observe life going on around me. You never know where something's going to inspire you. Newspaper, you know, a story I read about a religious organization in the Air Force facility inspired a 430-page novel called Walk the Wire. You just never know where that's going to come from. Uh, but for me, I can't imagine getting up uh, one day and not working on a story. It's just really so much a part of me that it, it is who I am, and I can't separate out the writer from the person. 
Um, and with each book, I approach it as, you know, my first novel. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't, maybe I can't bring the magic. I'm scared to death. I'm terrified. And I think that gives you an edge over other writers who might think, you know what, I've been doing this a long time. I can just phone this one in and it'll be fine. I never want to get to that point. If I ever get to the point where I'm going to phone it in, I'm just going to quit. Do you have a mental checklist as far as what you want your novels to contain? I think it's, you know, sort of a gut, organic kind of thing. It's the same things that I like to read when I'm reading novels by other people. I want to have interesting characters that I actually grow to know and care about. And that takes a lot of time and effort to put that together. It's easy to say, oh, I'm going to create some interesting characters. Well, how are you going to do that? <laughs> it's going to take some planning. And two, I want, a, I want a narrative, I want a plot that, you know, is complicated. And it's not one I can easily figure out, and it's not telegraphed. So I know 300 pages before the end of the novel exactly how it's going to turn out. And it's like watching a movie that you've seen a million times, and you know, okay, here it comes, here it comes. Yep, I was right, here it is. There's nothing intriguing or enticing or exciting about that. So for me, you know, plotting and development of characters are just two elements of the, of the, of the story that have to be there. And I kind of build it, you know, as a, as a, as a builder would. I go out and my first draft is kind of the framework. I'm putting up, I'm laying the foundation and putting the studs up. There are no walls, there's no roof, there's no nothing. Then I go back again and I put the drywall up. And then I put the plywood up and then I put the shingles on top of that and I put the insulation on around it. And then I go into the interior and start working on the windows and the floors and everything else. So it's kind of a process of starting with the bare bones of the plot itself and the characterizations, and then going back and deeply layering it. It's like lacquering along, you know, paint finish after paint finish after paint finish until you get exactly the color and machine that you want. Um, but it has to start somewhere. For me, the foundation is the, the outside exterior framework of the story. In our remaining moments with David Baldacci, like many authors, David, you're experiencing a book launch during this COVID-19 global crisis. What advice would you pass on to authors whose launches will look very different than they wanted? Look, be creative, be flexible, be adaptable. Um, There are opportunities here. You know, you can go on the social media, you can tweet, you can do Instagram photos. Uh, you can collaborate with other writers and do panels online, do Q&As, do virtual book events from bookstores, independent bookstores that need a lot of help, too, because they're suffering because they're closed down, too. So one way to help them is let's do a virtual uh, reading and signing at one of these stores. You can, I've signed book plates for independent bookstores that them out across the country, so they have my signature they can put in the books. I'm going to be doing a virtual book tour by myself and with other authors along the way that we're still putting all together because it's kind of all came all of a sudden to us. And, but be creative and be flexible and, and know that you can support other writers. I've done a number of videos already online where I'm supporting other writers who are trying to launch books, particularly new writers and established writers who have a really great book out. I want people to know about it because I think it's important. I've done videos from independent bookstores. I've done it in this country and in other countries trying to make sure that, you know, order from them, you know, support them, send them money if you want. I've contributed to charities that support local businesses. We're down in Florida right now for the winter and all the restaurants and stuff are closed, but my wife and I have been, you know, going out and buying tons of gift cards with no intentions of using them because they pay the money to the wait staff who've been laid off. 
Um, and we've been supporting local businesses around here because, one, it's the right thing to do, and, two, we like these places and we want them to be there and we have to sign them all this. So there are lots of things that you can do. Just be flexible. David Baldacci, thank you for joining me. As always. And this is Speaking of Writers. Again, the book is Walk the Wire from number one New York Times bestselling author uh, David Baldacci. And again, you can get some more info on David Baldacci. Uh, he does have a, a website, davidbaldacci.com, and his foundation, too, the wishyouwellfoundation.org. That's the website for the foundation. Walk the Wire is the book.